Welcome everybody to the next episode of the Swiss Football Show. It's been quite a while. Uh, Giacomo and myself, we uh, have had other things in between. Um, so we are apologizing for the lack of content over the course of the last two weeks. But now we are back with a brand new episode and uh, we have a lot to talk about. Many things uh, to, to uh, you know, <laughs> to have a chat about. And uh, yeah, I think we shouldn't lose any, any more time and uh, start right away. Giacomo, great to have you again. Great to have you, Emmanuel. Like you said, we will try to be there as often as possible. We will see we, we don't have the same schedule, so it's not always easy to find time uh, during the week. But we are there today and very happy and we'll try to be there as often as possible. Man. Exactly. And also a big thank you to all the listeners that are still sticking with us. Uh, I think it's now already the sixth episode. Um, we have had a lot of positive feedback, so that's always great to hear. And uh, no, we are just happy that uh, it seems like the Swiss football show has has hit quite a nerve. And um, we are happy to to uh, <laughs> bring the show to the to the next episode here. Um, so it's quite a lot of stuff happened over the course of the last two weeks, right? So we've had the international break. Now we've already had the next round of the Super League played. And this week there's also international action uh, with eBay and Basel. Um, but I think we should start with the international break, Giacomo. Switzerland, they got six points out of two games. So mission accomplished against Northern Ireland and against uh, Lithuania. A 2-1 victory over Northern Ireland and a 4-0 victory over uh, Lithuania. It was two not extremely spectacular, but still very, very solid games. Um, still no no single goal conceded under Murat Yakin in a competitive game. So that's a new record as well. Um, so how are you feeling about these six points, Giacomo? You know, like you said, the, the statistic is crazy. Murat Yakin didn't concede a single goal in an official game since he's the new Nazi coach after Petkovic. And I think that international break was pretty satisfying, you know, because we were all a bit scary about uh, what was going to happen against Northern Ireland, which was the, the biggest game of the two. And uh, Switzerland um, gave us a, a really strong performance in Geneva. It was a, a game that uh, we had in our hands from the first to the 90th minutes. And uh, really, the Nati gave us the answers we wanted. So that was a positive point. And then against Lithuania, that we were able to um, to have the game for us um, after only 45 minutes. You know, the game was over 3-0. Then in the second half, we didn't manage to score that much more goals. But 4-0 and 2-0, I think two weeks ago when we had the podcast, if we could have signed for that, we would have done it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I completely agree. Um, what's, what I really liked the most about these two games and the performances um, was the attitude that the Nazi uh, had, like the attitude that they entered the pitch with from the very first second of the game until the very last second of the, of the game, like from uh, minute zero to minute 95, um, it, they just let, left no doubt that they were like the 
the side with more quality, that they are the side which is more determined, that they are the side that is going to win the match, especially against Northern Ireland. It was very important to to have uh, that determination from the very start. And they, you know, I mean, uh, Zakaria scored after what was like uh, three minutes or something, uh, but the goal was disallowed uh, because of an offside position. I'm still not sure really uh, if an offside actually was there or not. Um, but anyway, so... Um, they just so showed us from the very start that they were ready and they that they weren't kind of uh, leaving any room for for doubts and uh, I mean the attitude that's exactly what we want and I think it's also remarkable that they were able to to get that attitude without having Captain Granjaka on the pitch and I think Yakin deserves a lot of credit uh, for the way that he you know uh, made the team ready and gave the team that attitude. Exactly, man. and that's something we have to point to, that us as uh, as watchers, as viewers of the game, we were confident watching that game because we saw against Northern Ireland until the first minute, since the first minute, we know, okay, this game will go well because we are there, the team is well positioned on the pitch, they will do a great job and that happened and yes, it's the, I think those pair of, this pair of games, those two games, where the we we clearly see an evolution uh, if we compare it to the first um, Muratiakin games like uh, Amontena Alfago. Exactly, and you know it was especially against Northern Ireland um, an extremely deserved victory. Um, of course, against Lithuania as well, but Lithuania isn't like the the side that you are like you know comparing yourself to. Northern Northern Ireland actually isn't as well because. They aren't like the most brilliant side with the ball in their feet, but they bloody well know how to defend. If they know one thing, then, it, then it's how to keep the ball away from their goal. And they were doing that once again uh, pretty well. Um, of, course, of course, the red card against Jamal Lewis uh, for time play after 30 minutes uh, played in our, in our hands. But, uh, you know, in the end... Um, I feel like there have been worse refereeing decisions in the past than handing a second yellow card for time play, to be honest. Um, but, you know, um, how did you feel about that decision to, you know, send Jamal Luis to the showers? And I think some someone said that the, the referee forgot that he had already given uh, a yellow card because <laughs> giving the first yellow card in a situation like that is understandable. But... If it's the second one and it's a red card, then it's a bit maybe too strength, you know. But okay, in this case, in that case, it was um, it was good for for the Nati. So at the end, um, it helped us. It helped us uh, to get uh, a win that was well deserved, I think. Yes, yes. Um, well, a player that really stood out uh, throughout the international break was, of course, Brel Embolo. Uh, he scored twice against Lithuania and he provided both assists against Northern Ireland. Um, he's been, you know, also quite a revelation at the Euros, uh, where he scored against Wales and he has had some brilliant performances as well. Um, so it really feels like Embolo has arrived now. It's a bit late because it's already his 50th cap with the Nazi um, that he celebrated against Lithuania. 50 international games for Switzerland at the age of 24. That's insane. Um, but it feels like he finally arrived. And I am also pretty sure that Joachim exactly knows how to use him. And he has a plan in mind um, how he wants to get the best out of Brel. And uh, now, of course, we just have to hope that he will for once kind of <laughs> not be injured uh, again. 
uh, for a period at least. And then I think we have an absolutely brilliant player on our hands. Yes, man. If, like you said, uh, Embolo is able to become the player we hope is going to become under Yakin, that's going to be uh, a, a massive improvement for Switzerland attack and uh, a massive uh, improvement for Embolo, a massive development as a striker. And yet, like you said, we saw his leadership, we saw his confidence during this international break. We saw finally uh, that he was able also to finish his uh, his actions. During Northern Ireland, he struggled to score, but then against Lithuania, he was able to score a brace, so that's good for his confidence. And yes, he was really, the like you said, the offensive player that stood out, and it's deserved for, for him, maybe. Right now, you know, even in his mindset, he's like, okay, right now I have done my 50 cap for the Switzerland national team. I have to become more of a, deal, a leader. I have to... to um, to be like, uh, you know, one of those veterans and to be able to carry my team even in the difficult moment, to be able to be the one that makes the difference. And if he can continue to keep going uh, like he did uh, in the past international break, it's going to be brilliant for Switzerland. Yes, definitely. Um, you know, one point that maybe has helped him now during this international break to really stand out was the fact that Harit Seferovic was missing. Um, if Seferovic is fit, he is playing, um, no doubt about that. And then, uh, you know, Pekovic used to deploy Embolo either on the wing or as a second striker. Um, but it feels like if Embolo is alone up there, he's doing, uh, you know, more damage than anywhere else. So, Maybe we, we should really start thinking about, uh, you know, what's going to happen when Seferovic is back and uh, if maybe Embolo should be number one starting striker if we are playing with only one play, one man up front. Because I feel like on the wing, um, his qualities aren't, uh, can, can't really be shown the way that they can, that, that, that they can be shown uh, in the middle. And because, you know, he has also that, that uh, very interesting uh, style of play that he he's falling back in the midfield. He's getting the balls there, picking them up, driving them through the the op op uh, opposition's half and uh, creating space, um, driving the ball up the pitch, um, and he's just causing havoc uh, and and uh, chaos within the defense of of your opponent. And I feel like on the wing. You need different qualities than that. You need someone who's well in, in uh, you know, one versus one situation, someone with, uh, who's good with crossings, etc. Um, like we have Zuber, Vargas, etc. And I feel like Embolo on the wing isn't the same player that we can have if we deploy him through the middle. So I think some serious questions need to be asked when uh, the squad is back at uh, full fitness, uh, including Haris Seferovic. And uh, then we will see, uh, you know, what Yakin, what, what Yakin's plan is. But I could really imagine that, uh, you know, he will get Embolo another shot as the only starting striker, uh, even if Seferovic is back. I think that's a fair debate, to be honest. But we still have to keep in mind that before that international break, we were often complaining about uh, Embolo's finishing too. So, you know, we were also um, saying, why doesn't he bring up uh, uh, Mickey Fly, for example, who is really a finisher, a scorer. And uh, of course, if Mbolo manages to improve like that, really like a number nine, then the debate is going to be open and fair. And maybe Seferovic won't have uh, his starting uh, 11 spot anymore. But at the moment, I think we, we still have to to be realistic, you know, because if Seferovic is back in, in a good shape, he was uh, in Portugal with Benfica scoring goals and goals. 
uh, he has been the the Nazi uh, um, the center the center attack the also a point of referment for the past years and it's not as simple as that but of course new coach new ideas he saw uh, the circumstances where that uh, um, um, sorry, Seferovic was missing, so he had to use him uh, to use Embolo as a striker. It worked, so maybe even when uh, Seferovic will be back, he will still uh, try to to play with Embolo striker because those have been maybe his two best games until now. So I understand uh, what you're saying. I I partly agree, but we still have to keep in mind that Embolo isn't a, a, a true uh, fair number number nine uh, yet. Yes, I mean, yeah. Well, maybe I'm, I'm, I was, you know, blinded a little bit by his two stellar performances now. But you're right. Um, ahead of the international break, we were complaining that we are missing a proper striker. Um, so yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. Um, but on the other hand, I mean, Embolo, he he really can become such an excellent player. You know, he has incredible physical power. He has incredible pace, incredible dynamic. And uh, if now he would also have like improved finishing skills, then I really think he can be an international top class player. I really do. Absolutely, man. That's for sure. And I, I really hope that he keeps developing in that way under Murat Yakin, also in uh, in his club in uh, in Borussia Mönchengladbach, because that could be a, a turning point of his career. You know, he's 24, I think. He's approaching like his prime between. 25 and 30 years old, let's say. So now it's time to for him to show us how high is uh, his potential. You know, and and if if he shows that he's able to play in the wing, on the wing, uh, as a striker, that's only some more points in his favor to 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 say to argue that he's one of uh, of the best strikers uh, that Nati could use. Yes, definitely. Um, okay, so let's move on from Brelembolo and the Swiss Nazi. Um, uh, and I would say let's dive right into Swiss Super League business. Giacomo, do you want to start? Yes, the, the league was back this weekend. It gave us some uh, some <laughs> some surprises, some dramas already. Maybe we could start with, um, with uh, FC Zurich, which was leader for a night because they... They beat Lugano on, on Saturday night, 1-0 in the Leipzig room. And once again, uh, Emmanuel, their dynamic duo, uh, Marquezano, Asan Cisse, uh, made the difference. Yes, I mean, Asan Cisse is already now the story of the season for me. Um, I mean, it's incredible. Um, we have already talked about him in the past, uh, like I think even in the, in the last episode. Um, you know, the thing with Asan Cisse is, Nobody, literally nobody would have ever thought that he would score the way he's doing right now. I mean, he's been at FC Zürich since 2018. And in the whole period, before this season, he has scored like, I think, six goals in total for Zürich. And now he has already eight goals in what is now like, I think, 10 games for him personally. Or 11, I don't know if he's played all 11. But still... Um, I mean, that's insane statistics and nobody would have thought that it would be possible. And like you said, dynamic duo, Marquezano also, I mean, he's now at the peak of his career. He's, um, I've already read debates about uh, him being a potential Nazi candidate. I mean, in the shape he is in right now, 
um, and if you are, you know, if you're uh, selecting your squad um, according to meritocracy, then I think Marquezano has a fair shot. Uh, but still, I'm not sure that it's realistic. But I would love to see Marquezano in the Nazi, to be honest, because he's such a creative, elegant, technically gifted player. And he's the, the guy scoring free kicks left and right. It's insane. It's crazy, man. It's crazy the, the Marquezano's form. Like you say, the debate for him in the Nazi is fair, to be honest, is fair. We're not saying that he has to be already in the Nazi, but if we are based on, on statistics, uh, we're in, in 2021. Uh, if we look at a football player, we are going to transfer mark, we are uh, watching goal and assist, and then Marquezano has all his argument, all the arguments for him. So who knows? Maybe if he keeps going like that, uh, Muratiakin is going to give him a, a shot, and we hope for the guy because he's such a, a nice guy and he really deserves it. Uh, due to, to how his car went. And I think one of Zurich's strengths on um, on Saturday was also their bench because uh, after like one hour of the game, like 60 minutes, they bring on Nyonto and uh, Koric on loan from uh, Ice Roma. And they really uh, managed to bring a new energy, to bring something new. And it led the uh, FCZ to the goal at the end. So I think... Zurich, yes, they have their dynamic duo. They have Andre Breitenreiter with his uh, tactics that really revolutioned um, FCZ compared to to last year uh, Zurigo from uh, from uh, Massimo Rizzo. But they also have quality uh, on the bench. They have a pretty deep squad, Emmanuel. Very true. Uh, that was one of the first points that I was throughout summer already pointing out uh, that I think FTZ has done brilliantly on the transfer uh, market <clears throat> by signing uh, the likes of Adrian Guerrero, Filippo Ranjasevic, uh, then also uh, Moritz Leitner, uh, even though well, Krasnici was on loan, so he's only coming back now. Um, like all these kind of players, uh, Akaki Kogia, for example, as well, right? Um, he came from Union Berlin. Well, P Polero, we haven't seen anything from Polero yet. <laughs> yeah. You know, Polero was signed as, as Challenge League top scorer. He came from FC Schaffhausen. And uh, now, you know, unfortunately for him, Asansise is scoring yes. crazy. So there's no way in the starting 11 for Rodrigo Polero at the moment. Um, and there's still also um, Blas Kramer up top. But, I mean... Kramers to me seems pretty much gone by now. I don't know. He hasn't featured anymore. Um, could be that he's going to leave in in winter. And there has been talks, uh, or sorry, there have been talks also about Zurich uh, looking at another striker, um, which doesn't sound like uh, Blas Kramer. Like is is really getting all the confidence from Andre Breitenreiter, uh, but still you're absolutely right. That their squad depth is amazing, and it's you know a couple of months ago nobody would have expected them anywhere near the top, and now they are uh, second in the in the table, only two points behind Basel. Um, and uh, you know I think right now they have their fair shot in uh, qualifying for for Europe, I guess. Yes, man, really. They keep going. It's, it was not uh, like a five-game miracle. It's already been 10 games now, and, and FZZ is still there. And uh, they're convincing. They're really, you know, they, they were out of uh, two draws, two losses before the, the Lugano games. Before the Lugano game, they beat Sion before the break. But before that, you know, they were kind of uh, struggling. They were, like, um, not able to, 
to get well, the but they months. but they played Basel and eBay in that period, so yeah, that's understandable, of course. But you, you still have to 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 get back to work and uh, be able to get the three points, and it was 100% deserved on on Saturday against uh, a Lugano team that came to Zurich almost only to defend to get uh, one point. So uh, yes, I I hope on, honestly I hope that uh, FCZ can keep going uh, at that pace, man. Yes, and I mean just real quick, Asansi say again, the guy has now scored in his last four games for club and country uh, for the Gambian national team and for FC Zurich. In his last four games, the man has scored incredible um, eight eight goals. If I if I uh, did did my correct math. Did my mouth correctly? I'm sorry. Yes, four goals against Sion, three goals with Gambia, and now one on the weekend. Yes, I mean, eight goals in four games for Azan Zise. That's out of this world, man. And uh, we have to start talking about uh, maybe Artur Cabral isn't even the best striker in Switzerland. Maybe Artur Cabral is just a cheap version of Azan Zise. Nah. No, I'm <laughs> but still, uh, maybe this league is soon going to be Asan Cisse's if Artur Cabral leaves in in uh, in the winter. But you know, um, maybe let's carry on. So after Zurich, they they did their homework. Uh, they have now won two consecutive games again. Uh, do you think that after Zurich can even have a say in the you know Meisterschaftsrennen in the run for the for the championship? Mm, I, I I don't think so because. Still, we know when we see the eBay or Basel uh, squads, it's hard to imagine that someone can compete with them. At the moment, you know, FCZ is surprising us, but you know, Aston Cizé is not going to score 30 goals uh, during the season. I, I don't think so. You know, at one point, he's going to slow down. They are both uh, like, how do we say, like overperforming at the moment, the offensive player of Zurich. And at one point they are going to have like five games, maybe or six, where they are going to to struggle to to get the ball in the back of the net at the back of the net. So, but I'm still confident that that FCZ can continue at that return for uh, as long as possible. But I don't think that at the end uh, they will be um, the the more that they can hope they they can hope is probably uh, being uh, at the third spot. Yes, no, I completely agree. Um, you know, talks about winning the winning the league—that's <laughs> a little bit over the top. Um, but I really think that they can have all the ambitions to finish third and therefore qualify for uh, conference league. And then maybe um, we can finally have another team next to Basel and Ibe in a European group stage. Because if we remember, I mean, um, you know. The last team that wasn't eBay or Basel and uh, that kind of made waves in Europe was, of course, FC Zürich. Uh, when they uh, went on to beat Bayer Leverkusen in the Europa League in uh, 2018, I think it was. Um, so, you know, FC Zürich, they have always been reliable in Europe. And to be honest, I really hope that they qualify um, and get us some points because the other teams clearly aren't aren't up to the job, at least, you know. This year once again. Yes, they're an afford. Yes, they're. Uh, you can trust them. They they show. They have shown us uh, in the past year that we can trust them. And um, yes, probably we we should go to the to the next game. You know, FCZ was the leader for a night, and they could have been the leader after the weekend. But uh, FC Basel scored uh, at, during the additional time in Tourbillon for uh, 
Paolo Tramezzani first game back for the second time on Sion's bench. That was kind of a, a strange game, Emmanuel, no? because Sion did a pretty good job. Basel wasn't that much um, that much dangerous, that much uh, offensive. But at the end, uh, you know, uh, a single player made the difference. That was Edan Segrova out of the bench. Uh, wonderful goal, to be honest, and that's pretty cruel for, for Sion, right? Yes, I mean, Edon Chigrova wins them the three points and uh, so Basel remained leader. Um, but yes, you're right, it was a little cruel for Sion. Um, but on the other hand, you know, personally, I'm not a fan of the tactics, you know, uh, destroying and defense first. I'm just, I, I can't stand these teams. And Paolo Tamizani just went right in and deployed exactly that tactic for his first ever game. But you can't blame him. He's playing Basel. I get it. But still, um, so I kind of was happy that Basel was rewarded in the end with all the three points. Um, but you're right. I mean, Sion, they, they made a big effort defensively against the ball. They were working a lot. And, uh, you know, last time they played Basel, they conceded like six goals in... <laughs> Earlier earlier this season, um, so it's already an, a little bit of an improvement, right? Yes, and Kevin Fikacher was back uh, uh, in to defend um, Sion goal, so he will probably is probably going to be the starting goalkeeper over uh, Timothy Fayulu and Safarikas. We're not talking about him because he's with the U21. But what do you think of that move, uh, Emmanuel? To be honest, I I think that Fikacher is a better goalkeeper than Fayulu. If we have to play one game, you know, I'm going to play Fikenshin. But, you know, thinking about uh, maybe um, Fayulu, if you play him, he's going to have a, a better market value, maybe this summer or in two years. And he was still pretty confident. He was doing some good performance. So that's maybe he doesn't deserve that treatment, Fayulu. But at the end, you still want to, to win games. Now, what do you think? To be honest, I disagree a little. Um, well, first of all, I think changing to Fikinshir is a mistake because um, Fayulu was now back in goal um, and I felt like he was doing decent. I mean, to be honest, I felt like if Sion doesn't have a problem, then it's their goalkeeper, to be honest. Like, of course, he's, he's, no, he's no Jan Sommer, okay. Um, but he's still so young and... Honestly, he has amazing reflexes, I think. Um, on the line, he's one of the best in the league. Maybe maybe I'm completely wrong with that, but that's just how I feel about him. Um, in the last season, he had incredible statistics uh, like for reflexes. Of course, you know, it's also because of the Sion defense, they uh, allowed many shots, but still. Um, I really like him. I have to say, I really, really like him. And I... I don't like that he's now out of the goal again. Um, that's a move that completely will completely destroy his confidence. And I can't imagine that it's also really healthy for the squad. Because Fayulu has now, you know, he's won this, uh, the, the, the position over Fikincher under Marco Walker, um, which also led to uh, Fikincher, you know, not being captain anymore. And now Fikincher is back in goal, directly is captain again. So I just feel like the whole hierarchy is completely messed up again. And 
you know, it's just it's so fitting for that Sion team, which has no profile yet, um, which just seems to have a hierarchy all over the top, or not all over the top, I'm sorry, but just uh, all over the place, so to be said, and just so chaotic. And, um, you know, I I think that changing to Fickenshur won't have the effect that Paolo Trabezzani is hoping for. Let's see, man. But his first game wasn't bad, I think, against Basel. We also have to keep in mind that Tramezzani wants to to have some certitude, you know, because the the Sion team is changing every year. When he now he's back to Sion for the third time, and he maybe has to 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 uh, to rely on his leaders back in the days. For example, uh, it was uh, Endoy, uh, uh, Bamert, uh, Fickenscher. At the moment, uh, Bamert is under, but is going to trust like it's like that when old trainers come back to their whole team they are going to trust not the the new faces but more the the old faces then after two three weeks of training they're going to play the the best players but that's often how how football is going you know yes and a, a little side story here adrian gave his comeback for season. yes <laughs> and and he was uh, defending Zegrova when he scored, and he didn't defend that. We can't blame him because okay, Zegrova is one of the best dribblers in the league. Adrian is not uh, a true defender, so we can't blame him. But that's another thing that shows that Tramezzani wants to use the players that back in the days he could rely on. Yes, and also uh, in the last couple of days uh, we learned that Giovanni Stio is back in Valle as well. Um, but it's not sure if he's going to get a contract yet. Uh, but that would also be a story that I would really like because CEO, I remember him from his old days in Sion and Basel. And uh, he was a decent striker, very decent striker, had good statistics, um, really always uh, did the job. Um, and I feel like they could maybe need him. Yes, um, you know, the, the thing in Sion is always their squad depth. They have way too much players. So if they can cuts during winter like uh, five well, but, six yeah, yeah but let's say like like let's do little transfer man football transfer manager here like who would you send out in the transfer window in winter um up front but i think uh wakatsuki is with the u21 um kaza is not playing is with the u21 um in the, um, i don't have the list yet but Carlen, Oaro, Berdai are staying, Stojkovic is staying, already four strikers, you know, that's a but lot. I'm not, I'm not sure about Stojkovic, to be honest. Well, Maybe I, I have heard that there is nothing uh, concrete yet about him. Um, but honestly, in during summer there were talks that he was going to leave, but uh, Constantin wanted him to stay and now he stayed. Uh, he's, he is the starting striker, but it could change very quickly, uh, especially if if Wevo is fit again. Um, yes, because he's an interesting striker. That's why. Uh, but uh, if we are to if we are talking about quality, Sion will have to would like to keep him. But if we are talking about players that can interest other teams in order to have some money and to make space, of course. Uh, Stojkovic would be a, a solid uh, alternative, but you know we, there are players like uh, Wagner, Diaz, Itai, Tinga, more, uh, less interesting, less dangerous than uh, than Stojkovic, but no one—I'm uh, not no one—but you know they're not that interesting on on the market like a young striker uh, 
like Stojkovic. Yes, but also in defense, I think they really need to tidy up a little bit. They have they have brought in Joel Schmid, right? Um, now Jan Barmert is back. They still have Jean Ruiz, Matthias Anderson, Arian Kabashi, who is back again. Biramat Ndoy, you mentioned him. Nathaniel Santini. Uh, that's far too much. I mean, Ruiz, Anderson, you can send them out. Uh, Barmert, I think, was very unlucky uh, in, during his last season. So maybe he's a candidate to go as well, but albeit maybe uh, Tramitsani trusts him again, then maybe he will stay. Other than that, I mean, also right backs, they have four right backs, Zakala, Martic, Cavari and Taylor. That's, I don't yes. know, man, what were they thinking when they are when they were uh, planning their squad? It's, like yeah. always, man, too much players, like yes. uh, every year in, in Valleys, sadly. And I mean, during summer, they were already trying to get some players out. I mean, they sold Uldrikis, Abdelawi went, Lacroix was sold, Rossi was sold, Patrick Luan was sent on loan. Uh, but it's still not enough. Mm. It's insane, man. It's Christian insane. Zock as well. Mm. Yes, okay, anyway, now let's move on from, uh, from Sion. And uh, let's come to the next topic, Giacomo. Which is, uh, what do you have in mind? What would you like to talk about? Maybe we should uh, move before going to the <laughs> referee part, because there were at least two or three very, very um, chaotic uh, arbitral decisions this weekend, sadly. One on on the Ibe Lutzern game and the other, um, the biggest one in the St. Gallen Servet game. Maybe let's go more with the, the happy story. <laughs> like the, the relevant story, uh, Lausanne, they managed to get their first win continuous back in his city with his new team, Getze. Uh, he beat Lausanne in the Let's Run with Getze, but now he was back in Lausanne and Lausanne started the game well and managed to keep that advance. And finally, they won a game. One goal from Zeki, two goals from Cameron Puertas, one beautiful free kick and one penalty at the end of the game. I have, we have to, to say, finally for Borenovic, finally for Lausanne, Emmanuel. Yes, I mean, it was long overdue. It was Borenovic's first ever professional league victory. <laughs> that says a lot about him and uh, not about him, but like about uh, the situation of Lausanne that they were in now. Um, you know, Lausanne, it, it was by far their best performance of the season, I felt. Um, you know, Contini coming back to his old club uh, ahead of the game, he was saying to the media, OK, we're not going to be the first team that we lose to Lausanne. And turns out uh, he was completely wrong because they actually did lose. 3-1, um, like you said, two goals by Puertas, um, who also, you know, personally, I felt like was a little bit in a down, down uh, period. Maybe, you know, he wasn't the same confident player that he was uh, last season. Um, but now he's back uh, with two great goals. Uh, well, one being a penalty, but still very, very well converted. And of course, the other story is Seki Amduni, the Swiss U21 Nazi attacker uh, who came from Stadler Zanussi from the Challenge League earlier this year, um, who has already scored his fifth goal now for Lausanne uh, to, win the, to win the cup, three in the league, I think. Um, also, three. second header in the league. Um, and he's, he isn't even tall, so that's... Uh, you know, speaks for him and his great technique. Um, you know, Lausanne, they are a team full of young players. And we have criticized them for not 
replacing their departures adequately. And I still stand by that. I still believe Lausanne Sport in the forms that they are in right now are number one candidate to go down. Um, but that game and the performance and the victory itself really uh, are a little bit of a lifeline to them because that's something now that they can hang on to. And, uh, you know, they finally the zero is, is gone and they can, can uh, you know, uh, be happy about their first ever victory. Um, but still, I mean, in the second half, they were struggling a little bit. Uh, Suzuki, uh, you know, conceded a penalty. Shafiq was sent off with a stupid second yellow. Um, so it wasn't too solid yet. But I would still think, especially the first half, it was the best performance yet under uh, Borenovic for this Lausanne side. But I think what was important was really to get those three points. I think it's normal, you know, when you didn't won a, you didn't win a single game in the whole Super League in nine games, so the whole first round, and you are getting closer and closer to your first win. It's normal that you get a bit stressed, you get a bit Chris, um, you can't really play uh, like you played in the first half. You know that that's uh, completely normal, you know. You're not playing uh, free like you did in the first half, and they were kind of scared, especially after the red card. And um, you know, it was important to get those three points. And we can understand that in the second half they weren't perfect, but right now uh, it was more of a mental thing. You know, they, like you said, the zero is gone, and right now they're going to play in a different way, more in a relaxed way. And if we look at the rankings, you know, at the 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 table. Lausanne is only two points behind Sion and Sangalen. And Sangalen nine points, it could have been seven. We'll see that we'll talk about it later. But you know, the Sion uh, Lausanne lucky point is that the other teams also didn't do that well during the, the first nine games. So right now everything is possible for them. And I want to finish, then I let you talk. I really liked what uh, Simone Grippo has brought to that team uh, in the defense because we are talking about a young, a young team, and he's one of the older, oldest uh, players, one of the most experienced one. And really, since he's there, uh, the defense is looking way, way more stable. That's true. Yes, no, that was a was a good signing, definitely. Um, you know, we also have to say. If we criticize them for having uh, loads of young players, which isn't something bad at all, um, but we still need to point out that they do have a couple of very interesting youngsters. Uh, Camarón Puertas now scored twice. He's already, what is he, 22, 23 years old. Last season, he was one of the best midfielders in the league. Um, I, I think if he, you know, he, he was a victim of of the poor form of his whole squad. But uh, if Lausanne can keep on now, then I'm sure he's going to get back to his level again. Zeki Amduni, one of our most interesting and definitely one of our best young strikers in Switzerland. Um, Karim So and Anel Husic, two interesting prospects uh, at centre-back positions. So, you know, um, the problem always was that the lack of experience, I feel like. Uh, but like you said, with Grippo, um, they now have like their anchor in the in the back three and uh, could really turn out to be the, their absolute key signing. And it was a back four. And, uh, oh, it was a back that four. was also oh, surprising. Was that was a, okay. also a, a surprising move. Oh, I by, didn't realize. Okay. By Brenovic. It was really a, a surprising move. He moved Anelusic on the on the left, Shafik on the right, and Monteiro was with Grippo, uh, the two centre-backs, and 
it was surprising like what did he do? what did he do again because he was already doing some strange things during the the first games but it turned out well so maybe he's going to keep that uh, four main defenses but, but next game Shafiq is going uh, won't be there because of the red card so we'll see what he's going to invent maybe bring Zohuri back but or, uh, uh, they they have they they have two young English players, uh, Trey Coyle, but I think he's, he's a winger. And the other one is, I think Brown. the other one is a left back. Archie Brown, yes. Archie left Brown. Left or right. But he didn't he play a single game. But where did he come from? Uh, maybe Liverpool, I, I don't remember. No, 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 no. Trey Coyle came from Arsenal. Derby County? Derby County, Derby County, yes. Archie Brown came from Derby County. Yeah, maybe that's his time now. Maybe, maybe. I, I, honestly, I'm pretty confident because Borinovic is a good coach. Now, you know, he is going to work in a more calm way because he, he get those three points. The media is going to let him uh, a bit more calm until the next game. And he's going to maybe to prepare his squad, not only to uh, get finally the win, but also to, to keep going, you know, to finally give his squad the identity he wants to give and uh, to develop, to keep developing uh, Lausanne, because the only thing that was missing was were the three points. Yes, absolutely. I'm just looking, next game for Lausanne will be, oh, <laughs> okay, in Bern against Ibe. Yes. All right. Okay. It was important to win. <laughs> yes, so these three points are even more crucial now, I agree. Okay, um, but let's come to the next topic, Giacomo. Uh, you already touched it real, real, uh, really briefly. Um, we have to talk about the, you know, some people will say scandalous refereeing decisions that happened during the weekend. Um, one occurred during the game uh, in Bern uh, between Young Boys and Luzern. Uh, a goal from Christian Fasnacht was disallowed uh, by the VAR, um, even though there was no, like, clearly nothing uh, that should have been disallowed so it was a completely valid goal but it got disallowed and uh, the second topic that really you know brought especially Servet fans uh, into much pain and anger uh, was the fact that Servet was basically stolen in St. Gallen like they St. Gallen scored a last second winner uh, which should have been disallowed because there was a clear foul from Jackie T in the build-up, and also Servet should have also been uh, granted a penalty, I think. Um, but you know, I mean, VAR isn't to me like the problem because I feel like VAR is functioning pretty well in our league. But I think the level of refereeing is something we should talk about. I don't think VAR itself is a problem. I rather think the level of refereeing can be discussed, to be honest. Yes, you know, I, I don't really like these talks about VAR and, and refereeing, but of course, how can we not mention it when uh, things like that happen in the weekend? But I think, like you said, VAR wasn't really the problem, because if we look at the the Gimeno last-minute goals, by the way, Gimeno scoring against Servet after the, yes, the last card in Geneva, it was, really, it was really <laughs> a, symbolic, uh, a symbolic goal, but you know, should have been disallowed, of course. And it's crazy, because the referee, he's called by his VAR uh, teammates, his VAR, uh, the other, they're calling him, okay, go watch the VAR. He, go, he sees the Jackie de Faula and then he still gives the goal. So I don't know, man, what was the, the referee thinking? Would have been interesting to, to hear him, you know, 
how is he explaining that uh, that choice? Because you know, as a neutral, uh, everybody as a neutral observer would have said, okay, that's at least a yellow card for Jakite and not a goal for Sangalen in the same action. So, you know, I don't know what we can say. You know, we can only say that um, it's easy to say something has to change, but uh, what what can we do? You know, we can only you know. <laughs> I don't know, man. What do you think? You know, I'm. I don't really have an opinion on this. I just think, you know, VAR itself. I'm, you know, I'm pro VAR. Basically, I feel like there have been some things recently, um, you know, that make yourself question it a little bit because I feel like VAR is taking it a little bit too far with disallowing goals, like with minimal, absolutely minimal offside positions, like if you're your elbow is in offside and the goal is just stuff like that. I, I really dislike stuff like that. But um, all in all, I think we should all agree that VAR has made football more fair. I think there's no debating that because um, I think generally VAR is a good thing and I think it's applied pretty, pretty solid in Switzerland. Um, but what I really think we should consider is that our level of refereeing isn't really that great. Um, I mean, we have one international sh uh, referee, if I'm not mistaken, which is uh, Sandro Scherer. And uh, he's doing even Champions League games and all that. Um, but there isn't any other Swiss referee that really <laughs> is even trusted by UEFA to arbitrate uh, international games. So it says a lot to me. Um, Maybe we should we should you know start at the at the bottom and uh, rethink our whole refereeing uh, education program. I don't know, man. Maybe that's a little bit too far fetched, but I just feel like our referees aren't as good as they should be. That that's for sure, man. Because it's not the first time that it happened this year. It's really frustrating for the team, for the team fans uh, when it happens. And so what, uh, you know, I, I, to be honest, I, as a as a spectator, I don't know what can I do, what I can do. But, you know, we are on the, it's a problem if, you know, every month there is something like that. And then at the end of the season, we are counting, we are uh, seeing the, the, um, the final table. And, ah, okay, if uh, the referee uh, wasn't doing... Uh, had done a, a good work that day, we would have been in the conference league and we, will, we won't uh, be at the ninth spot playing the, the barrage. That's the problem at the end of the season. So, I don't know, man. I, I just hope that, um, that scandals like that, uh, we can manage to avoid them uh, as much as we can. But uh, the, the season hasn't started well, To if we consider that point, that's for sure. Yeah, that's true. Definitely. Um, you know, but Servet, so they lost now. Um, how do you see their start of the season, Giacomo? I mean, they are now, let me see. 10 points, I think. 10 points. What do you think about, uh, you know, their start to life? Well, uh, you know, life isn't easy for Servet. We were, they were clearly the best Roman team uh, compared to, to Sion and Lausanne until now because they also showed us that uh, they can play some good football, like in the past season. But, uh, you know, already two times they they got uh, completely destroyed, one time by Basel, one time by eBay, with the with the red card things and everything. So, I don't know, I, 
what can we expect from from this server because their first two season back in the super league were pretty pretty good uh, also if we're talking about only the results but uh, maybe right now it's time to to change something i don't know you know the the coach is always criticized a lot i don't know man to be honest the next game against you is going to be crucial because uh, if servet loses that one maybe um Geiger can start to to be in trouble and also the the cup game the the cup game in tun tun isn't a, an easy opponent at all is a super league level i am not afraid to say it. In, also in, in if you have to play one game against tun you know it's like playing a super league team so i achtung geiger because uh, if if you lose the derby and uh, on on Wednesday, next Wednesday, you are eliminated from the cup. Mm. Maybe Senderos is going to to think about it. Well, to be honest, I I mean I agree the situation isn't as great as maybe last season, uh, but I still think there is no way that Anna Geiger would actually lose his job, even if they if they would get in a real uh, bad period now. Uh, because, you know, he is the coach that brought them back to the Super League. He is the coach that led them to uh, a top three finish last season and to a top four season, a two, top four finish in the first ever season back in the Super League. Um, so he is undoubtedly a good coach. Um, and the... Their, their style of play is very attractive, one of the most attractive ones in Switzerland. The problem is, in my eyes, that they have had, it's a little bit, uh, you know, maybe uh, strange to say, but I feel like they haven't had enough change since they uh, were promoted to the Super League. It's basically still the same team that started the Super League season uh, in 2019-20. Um, now, I mean, that's nothing bad per se, but it still shows you that nothing really has developed itself. Like, uh, you know, no young player really has broken in and, and got his place. Uh, for example, if, if we think about Castellot Imeri, he is one of this generation's most talented, most gifted players. And Alan Geiger still manages to sub him off after 45 minutes. I mean, that's crazy. Um, I just feel like maybe uh, there is just not enough change. What I, I do you feel, think? I feel the same as you. It's like, you know, if we're looking also at the bigger teams, like during the transfer market, even when everything is going well, you want some some in fresh faces, some uh, new things. You know, of course, how can you criticize a coach that, like you said, brought Servet two times to Europe? No, but at the end, you come to the stadium, you, you want to see... Uh, a fun team, Servet is playing good football, but you want to see some changes, like you said. And I think, of course, stability is a good thing, and it's way better that than uh, the opposite, like uh, changing uh, five players every weekend uh, start. But uh, yeah, I honestly, I agree with uh, what you just said, that maybe not enough as, as changed, you know, not enough as, as developed. Uh, a, a, um, um, overall, of course, the the youth talk is something that keeps going and going every week in Geneva. Like, uh, yeah, Geneva but that's, some but of that's the best completely yes, except that's completely legitimate to, to criticize Geiger uh, for his approach to young players. I think because honestly, frankly, it's it's a shame what's happening with the Geneva Academy. To be honest, uh, Servet has one of the best academies in Swiss football. They have one of the most promising and interesting talents, and they lose them year after year 
um, because they just fail to give them real perspectives. And I'm pretty sure that one of the reasons why they don't get perspectives is because of Anna Geiger. And now again, I'm not criticizing him. Uh, I'm not saying he's a bad coach, whatever. Uh, but he is definitely uh, not the best coach in terms of uh, giving young players a chance. Um, I mean, Castellot Imeri really is the symbol of that. I mean, he is like U21 Nazis individually, maybe best player or one of the best players, maybe together with Okafor, uh, maybe also with Stergior or Maragic. Uh, but he, he he is up there, Imeri. And I don't know really what the problem is, but I mean, he, it just feels like he really can't get 90 minutes for Servet, and I don't see why. Yes, man. I think you're right. You know, probably Geiger is a winning coach, but he's not uh, a young player developing coach. But I understand people that uh, are complaining, but I also understand people that say uh, you can't blame him. So you know, that's more like of uh, a feeling thing. You know, of course, uh, Servet is happy to play the Europa, to finish, uh, to be one of the, to have one of the best game. Let's say. In Switzerland, they have talents like uh, Stevanovic, which is not attacking, but they have like some really quality players. But of course, when it's the same every season, at one point, um, you know, people want to change something. They are, they want to see the fresh faces from the academy. They want to to see some newcomers. You know, for example, Oberlin. Of course, he has the injuries, etc. But he's not playing. Uh, Dulin is not playing that much. All the new players, except uh, Clichy. They're not playing that much. So Rodelin, Rodelin is getting some minutes, right? But uh, as I understand, he isn't liked that much by by the fans. I don't think he's like that much. Yes. I not. He hasn't combined the the Geneva football fan base, and you know, like me, that uh, it's one of the the, the Geneva fans uh, on social media are, are a lot. That's true. That's true. Okay, so let's close the survey chapter and uh, let's come to the next talking point and our last one for this episode. Um, really briefly, um, Giacomo, it's International Week again. Uh, eBay is taking on Villarreal on Wednesday in uh, what is shaping up to be an extremely exciting game. Um, how do you see the chances for our Swiss champions? Uh, the the game this weekend is in Bern or the uh... in Bern yes okay so it's now or never I want to say maybe it's the most important game until now uh, at home if we lose at home it's going to be really really tough then to to get back in the discussion for the top two or top three of the of that ranking and uh, you know I'm still confident I'm still confident. Right now, I'm not feeling the the three points, but that doesn't mean anything, to be honest. Uh, I'm happy that Ngamalo scored. You know, uh, if they lost uh, on on Sunday, it would have been a, a different chat today against Lucerne. But once again, they scored at the the last minute against uh, Celestini's team. So I, I'm confident. You know, if he has the quality, the squad would be uh, almost uh, everything is going to be available. So I I don't see why they they won't. They wouldn't be able to to bring uh, a, a nice performance. Yes, and I mean, frankly, um, Villarreal is the team that we all thought of to be like the closest one in terms of individual quality to eBay. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Man U and Atalanta, they are both in completely different different worlds in terms of individual quality. Um, Villarreal 
definitely is also one or two levels higher than eBay, but they are closer to eBay than the other teams. And uh, if they can get anything out of the game, um, it wouldn't only be extremely great for our coefficient, but it would also, uh, you know, be quite, uh, you know, quite quite a reward for for a decent start in a Champions League season. And um, they would really keep the hope alive that they might, uh, you know, actually also play European football in winter, uh, even if it's only Europa League. I think mean, that would still be a huge success. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I, I hope the the dream stays alive, and in order to to stay alive, we absolutely have to get at least at least really a one point uh, uh, in Vangdorf uh, against Villarreal. Man. Yes, I agree. Get anything out of this game, and then uh, anything is possible. If not, then um, you know it's going to get difficult because you'll have to play back in Spain, then uh, you have Atalanta at home, and then you have the game in in Manchester. Um, and frankly, if you if you get anything out of the game against Atalanta and Man, you would be, how should I say, a miracle. Yes, really. Okay, but Giacomo, uh, to really round this episode up, what is your prediction for eBay against Villarreal? Um, let's be optimistic. I will say, um, honestly, I think they're going to lose 2-1, but I hope 1-0 for uh, eBay. Then. Okay, so I'm going with a, a bold 2-1 for eBay as well. So let's keep the dream alive. Let's keep the dream alive, man, like you said. Okay. All right. So let's finish here. Giacomo, thanks so much for speaking once again with me here on the Swiss Football Show. And uh, listener, thank you so much for tuning in once again. Uh, I hope that you, you know, stick. Uh, we're sticking through. Uh, through the whole nearly 60 minutes and uh, I would be really happy to welcome you next time again on the Swiss Football Show. Have a good night and uh, hope eBay!